Have you gone property shopping in Toronto and feel like you were just born in the wrong era? Don't fret, you're not alone. Hello and welcome to the No Conditions Podcast. This is a podcast by and for younger real estate buyers, sellers, and investors in the greater Toronto area. Join us here every week where we discuss a variety of topics pertaining to buying, selling, renting, and investing in all types of real estate in the GTA. If you're a younger buyer or seller and not sure where to start, don't worry, you're in the right place. Please make sure to tune in and subscribe. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the second episode of the No Conditions podcast. I'm your host, George. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank you for uh, stumbling upon my podcast and tuning in uh, via the, the internet airwaves. Um, today's uh, podcast episode is going to be uh, covering a very... Um, I, th- I don't want to say controversial topic, but a very tough topic to talk about um, for any of us who've lived through the past year. The, uh, definitely you're, uh, none of us or not many of us want to relive, uh, which is the year 2020. Um, so uh, this topic, it's been on the top of our minds for several months now. Uh, it's the impact of COVID-19 on the GTA real estate market. Um, so obviously, you know, 2020 has been a crazy year filled for, uh, for a crazy year for us, you know, filled with a lot of upset, you know, difficulty, struggle. I don't think any single person can say this has been an easy year for them in, in any shape or form. We've all have had to face some sort of, uh, uncertainty or adversity. Um, obviously that, you know, uh, thankfully, most of us have overcome or continue to overcome. And, you know, here we are in 2021, uh, obviously, you know, kind of charging along. We got some light at the end of the tunnel with the announcement of the vaccines and, you know, uh, Canadians being vaccinated across the country. Um, and obviously, um, escalated efforts around the world um, to get their populations vaccinated as well. Um, so hopefully, you know, we do have some return to normality in the near future, but I don't want to derail too much. This isn't a conversation about COVID and its impact on our lives. Uh, it's about COVID and its impact on the uh, GTA real estate market. Um, so obviously, you know, um, it's uh, to say the least, you know, it's um, uh, there, there's been a lot of ups and downs with the real estate market, but um, we've definitely broken a few records this year uh, when it comes to real estate. And um, we've, I, I want to say the vast majority of, uh, of, of Canadians and Torontonians uh, have definitely been caught off guard with how, how the market reacted to COVID. Um, so, you know, before we get started, let's, you know, let's rewind it back a little bit. Um, let's take it back to the spring of 2020, in particular to March 2020, mid-March 2020, when the pandemic first really took foothold in Canada and the first lockdown uh, came. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, there was the first initial impact of COVID-19 on the on the GTA real estate market, which was, you know, initial worry and dismal projections. Um, I remember shortly after the lockdown, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, it, it felt like almost as if life had frozen for a couple of weeks, and that included real estate and real estate transactions. Um, you didn't hear too much about sales happening, um, people buying places, people selling places. It just wasn't a thing. It's like, you know, the whole world just kind of came to a pause. Um, and obviously, you know, real, real estate was included in that. Um, I remember back in May of 2020, uh, we started hearing from CMHC. Um, we obviously were hearing from the federal government and the provincial governments before that saying, Hey, like this is not looking good because of this lockdown measure. We've pretty much artificially put ourselves into a recession. Um, you know, this is a pretty bad recession too. This is, you know, uh, definitely one for the books. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, fear and uncertainty. Um, uh, obviously from the virus, but also from the economic perspective of this. Um, and I remember, you know, CMHC back 
back in May of 2020, it was actually the chief economist of the CMHC, uh, Bob Dugan. He actually uh, made an announcement back in May saying that uh, the average prices across the country would fall um, anywhere between 9% to 18% from pre-pandemic levels um, while beginning to recover in the first half of 2021. Um, I have my own opinions of the CMHC. Like I said, this is an objective podcast, so I'm going to try and refrain myself. But obviously... Uh, um, let's just say that they might have only have had that correct for downtown Toronto condo markets and were sorely wrong for pretty much everywhere else across the country. Um, we saw the opposite happen, but anyways, I don't want to jump ahead. Let's, you know, we're still back here in the spring of 2020 when all this craziness was going on. This is still a novel virus to us. We're all very concerned and things like that. So, um, let's go back to that. So, um, obviously like, you know, we've never, um, at least in my lifetime, uh, I think most of our lifetime, none of us here in Canada have ever experienced anything like that, like, or any, uh, this pandemic, you know, with the lockdowns and the, and the wearing masks in public and being, you know, mandated to, uh, you know, only make essential trips outdoors. This is the first time in our memorable history we've, that we, we've gone through this. Obviously, you know, there are similar measures implemented during the Spanish flu, which, you know, took place over a hundred years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, none of us were alive for that. And, um, the closest thing we have really to compare it to was, um, the SARS outbreak here in Toronto back in 2003. Um, and so when we look at the data back from 2003 with the SARS outbreak, there was actually, there's really no decline in house prices. It, it more of like softened the growth, uh, I would say. Um, you know, so, you know, if we, if we look at the metrics prior to the SARS outbreak, uh, which occurred during the first half of 2003. So if we look at the, the sales data from 2002 um, for Toronto or the GTA area as a whole, um, GTA property prices were increasing in the range of around 10 to 15%. Um, however, during the first half of the year, um, the prices, uh, instead of, you know, increasing at expected 12%, only increased at, uh, at 6%. So it was still a step in the right direction. It was still a nice 6% growth, um, during the six months, which is, you know, above inflation, but, um, not the growth that was expected and not the growth that has been observed historically. And that was, um, likely said to be a direct impact of SARS. Obviously SARS, um, you know, the virus itself, uh, was definitely, I, I, I'd like to say, you know, definitely more deadly virus, but, um, it was not, uh, as contagious as COVID-19 is where, you know, it's, uh, COVID-19 is pretty much very easily transmissible, uh, more transmissible than the, uh, the, the, the standard flu we're all familiar with. So it's a highly contagious disease. Um, Anyways, uh, you know, summarizing that though, during the SARS outbreak, the price is still appreciated. I'll be at a slower rate due to, you know, lower volume of, uh, transactions as well, but, uh, prices did, you know, did appreciate. Um, now, obviously we're comparing apples to oranges here. These aren't apples to apple comparisons. SARS can't be compared to COVID-19. The only thing they really have in common is that they're both coronaviruses. Um, so with that being said, um, let's go to March 2020. So a few people here got caught in the crossfire. So there were prospective sellers who, you know, obviously, you know, if you're upgrading or moving from one home to another, you need to uh, sell your existing place and then buy a new place. Um, you don't need to do that order. You can buy and then sell, sell them buy. Um, it's really up to you and your level of uh, comfort with risk. Um, I have my own opinions on this. Um, my, my own opinion always is sell first, then buy. Um, but uh, so, you, you know, I'm more risk averse. I'll say that, you know, I don't want to be caught in a situation where I bought a place, I bought it firm and then I can't sell my place and I need to find some sort of bridge or emergency loan financing. But anyways, getting a little off topic there. Uh, <laughs> I would say that, um, so, you know, pr prospective sellers back in March, 2020, were kind of on the hook to sell their existing places. A lot of them bought places, bought them with 
firm offers, or as I like to say, no conditions. <laughs> and, um, and you know, they, they, they bought their first place. Um, and then they need to sell their place in March. So they might have purchased this, you know, back in January, back in February, and then they need to sell their place shortly after. And they were stuck because, you know, transactions literally grinded to a halt. Um, so they were caught in a bind. It created kind of like a, I want to say like a, co- a cohort of, you know, uh, of, of, you know, um, prospective buyers trying to, you know, kind of struggling to close on a new home. Um, and they were not able to sell their existing home. Um, and, you know, they kind of had to, they were stuck in a difficult situation. They had to kind of scramble for bridge financing, renegotiate the offer. Like, obviously, this is a once in a lifetime kind of thing, but, you know, the seller might have, um, <clears throat> the house that they're, that they're buying, that seller might have, you know, done the same thing. It could create a domino effect, a chain reaction. So it was really a stressful time for these people. Um, and, you know, some of them were even concerned that they could be, you know, sitting ducks for like predatory buyers. There could have been, you know, th- these people coming in and being like, oh, you're in a lot of trouble. Hey, okay, well, I'm going to offer you 30% less than what you, uh, you thought you could have gotten. Now, obviously, you never went to those extremes. I didn't see or hear of anything like that, thankfully. Um, but that was a real concern for a lot of people. So, um, thankfully, none of that did happen. Um, you know, on, on a personal note, I'll say something, you know, because this particular situation affected me near, near and dear to me. Uh, my parents actually had purchased, um, their, I guess you could say their final dream home. Uh, this was back in February, 2020. Um, I was at the time I was in holidays, uh, in Cuba, obviously it's pre pandemic, you know, no travel advisories. I was on holidays. Uh, I come back to Toronto and I hear, Hey, George, we bought a place. And, you know, my parent, my, my father just recently retired. They wanted, you know, a nice big home. They're kind of slowing down there in their sixties. And, um, they wanted, uh, they were formerly living in a townhouse with a lot of stairs. They wanted to downgrade to something with, uh, or, oh, sorry, up, upgrade, downgrade, side grade. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess it would be an upgrade, um, you know, to a home, a detached home with less stairs, um, you know, to kind of accommodate their, um, I don't want to say limited mobility. They're definitely not limited mobility, but, uh, you know, obviously, uh, reduced mobility that, uh, compared to what they had previously to that. Um, so, so yeah, so they, you know, they, they obviously, they went in firm, they bought a place, you know, back in February, 2020. Um, and then, you know, they were closing in, if I'm not mistaken, they were closing in June of 2020. So from obviously, you know, the pandemic hits, they need to sell their house. When are they going to put it online? They put it in April. April, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. You know, transactions are grinding to a halt. You know, they're freaking out. My, my poor father, he's, he's, you know, he just retired. Uh, you know, he, he went, he went through, you know, about cancer. He beat cancer. And then this happens to him. Um, I, I, I truly, you know, empathized with, you know, obviously with my parents, but especially with him, just because, you know, he, you know, he retired. He really wanted to enjoy his life. Not only is he stuck here because of lockdown measures, but then, you know, he could be taking on a loan. He could be losing money. And this is the last thing you want to do when you're retired and you're in your sixties. It's really not fair. Um, so, um, Unfortunately, you know, so, so, you know, he listed the home. Um, there's only some low ball offers, not as much interest as we expected. Um, under my advice, I recommended, you know, he take a HELOC, purchase the second home, rent out the first one, hold it for a year on a year lease, revisit in a year if he wants to keep it, wants to stay as a landlord, or if he wants to, um, you know, sell the home and, uh, you know, kind of enjoy his retirement. So, um, luckily he wasn't in a bind. Um, just thankfully because of all the equity he's built up over the years, but, um, it was definitely not a fun situation. And a lot of people um, who didn't have that luxury or that liberty of having that level of equity, so especially the younger buyers, um, they were in a real bind. So um, thankfully, you know, a lot from what I've read online, a lot of people were able to secure bridge financing. A lot of people were able to, um, I want to say they were able to, you know, uh, you know, kind of scrape everything together to make sure the transactions went through. Um, 
so so yeah so it was it was definitely a, a tough time a difficult time and a very uncertain time um i remember you know back when i was looking at the data i was just like oh my gosh you know prices are dropping prices are dropping i was already on the market to buy another place um and i was like i was going to be one of those predatory people i was gonna be like hey you know maybe i can score a deal you know uh, it's uh if, if i'm not mistaken it's warren buffett who says you know buy when others are fearful so um that was going to be me um but at the same time, I didn't know where the world was going. You know, this lockdown was pretty nuts. Even I was uncertain. I'm like, you know what? Just to be safe, I'm going to sit on cash um, because who knows what's going to happen. And, you know, ultimately cash is king. So, um, and so, yeah. So then, uh, you know, this pretty much happened. And then all of a sudden, the summer market hit. Um, so I would say, you know, towards the latter half of June, almost like the very end of June 2020, um, ironically, when my parents pulled their, their property off the market, um, the market started to take off. Uh, so this was something I, I felt, I feel like I can fairly confidently say the vast majority of us did not expect. Um, you know, Toronto home sales not only recovered to their previous year prices, but they began to surge past them. Um, so, you know, beginning, you know, late June, beginning bidding wars started occurring again and people who were, you know, out of the game from March to May, um, even to the first half of June were suddenly back in. So all that pent up demand just came rushing down and what did that do with a limited supply extremely high demand fueled by low mortgage uh low interest rates because you know the bank of canada lowered our prime rate um the market just took off it was uh it was absolute insanity um you know for the first time i don't say the first time in history um i i don't know and totally off the top of my head um but i would say for the first time um interest rates were below two percent you can get a fixed or variable for under two percent which is you know at the beginning, now for us, it's like, oh yeah, that's nothing special. But like at the beginning of the summer, it's like, wow, holy crap, that's really cheap. Um, it's almost free money. So, um, so yeah. And, and, and so, and this is what started driving this, this like demand and, and this, the prices really started skyrocketing. Um, so obviously, you know, home prices, uh, you know, they started to soar. Um, you know, obviously due to simple supply and demand, as you know, the two didn't fall in tandem. Uh, there were fewer houses for sale. Uh, um, um, but, uh, you know, but the, the the demand was there. And so ultimately it re- continued to remain very much a seller's market. Um, doing some quick numbers, you know, when I was looking at the numbers, uh, preparing for this episode, uh, by the end of the summer market. So by the end of August, 2020, um, GTA real estate. So this includes, uh, the greater Toronto area as well as Hamilton, um, across all property types grew an, a median, uh, price from $780,000 in March to $826,000 in August, which is a 5.9% increase, which doesn't sound a lot, but remember, we're only talking about less than six months from when the pandemic hit, which is pretty insane. Um, when you break down the data, though, the growth is not linear across the property types. Um, you know, like obviously, um, detached has historically and will always perform well. And that's a fact, whether you like it or not, this is, this is an objective truth. Um, a lot of people will point back to the, you know, the crash uh, back in 2017. And that was due to, you know, artificial government intervention that wasn't due to any sort of natural factors, but land in the Toronto area is finite. Land is finite. So, uh, detached, you own your own plot of land. You have your own detached home on it. That will always, always, always be the strongest property type just because it's it's a truly finite resource. It's not like you're building to the sky with condos. Um, that land, you can only expand horizontally so much because, before it becomes a, uh, an unsustainable commuting distance um, to the Toronto core. So 
Um, growth during that time was 8.2% in the detached market in the GTA, um, 1.8% in the semi-detached, 2% in freehold townhouses. So, um, the numbers for semi-detached and townhouses were not like, oh my gosh, they were high, especially during a pandemic, but not like, um, and obviously higher than the rate of inflation in just six months, but, um, nothing absolutely insane. But keep in mind, this is, this is just, you know, this is until the end of, this is until the end of August where we, we haven't even touched, you know, the fall market that continued. <laughs> This momentum, albeit at an even increased rate. Um, the interesting thing to note is condos did not do too well. So condo townhouses decreased, uh, or sorry, increased only at 0.8% in the six months. Um, and condo apartments decreased at 4.9%. Um, now this data, for anyone asking, this data is from House Sigma, the market trends reports from House Sigma. It's not obviously 100%, but this is designed to give you a picture of how everything grew. And obviously you can see that there was the growth was not linear at all across the property types, detached performing extremely well and condo apartments losing value. So, you know, you had two very polarized um, uh, parts of the spectrum there. Uh, anyways, so, um, so, you know, making segue to the next topic is, you know, the recovery. Right. So, you know, like, where are we at now? What's, what's, what's going on? So, um, I, I'm going to introduce this segment as, you know, the letter of the day. And the letter of the day today is K. Uh, and K stands for the K shaped recovery. You've probably heard this word, uh, thrown around, thrown around a lot online, um, in the news, uh, media. I've seen it everywhere now. I've seen it on TV. I've seen it on the internet. Um, you know, obviously seen on a lot of message boards. It's been something I, I, that's been flown around since the summer, um, summer 2020. And it's, uh, it seems like that's how, you know, the Canadian economy is going to recover uh, post-COVID. Um, so, you know, obviously Canada's housing market, so Canada's a whole, not just the stronger, it has, you know, defied expectations of a slowdown. It, it's booming, even as the economy suffers from the deepest recession since the Great Depression. Um, you know, demand for homes combined with tight inventory levels and historically low interest rates are just driving massive, massive gains. Um, the interesting thing to note, and part of the K-shaped piece that applies not from a, a personal or, you know, uh, economic perspective of the, you know, like, you know, white collar workers performing better than blue collar workers with this pandemic. Um, but from, uh, in a real, real estate sense is the freehold versus the condo, um, uh, dichotomy, which is, um, f- you know, f- freeholds have, um, you know, COVID-19 has impacted freeholds very positively. It's helped them a lot. It's propelled them to gain tons and tons of value in such a short amount of time. Um, however, downtown condos, which have historically, um, for at least for the past couple of years, I want to say since 2017, have experienced a huge, huge run up in value, uh, both on pre-construction pricing, resale pricing, and rental pricing, um, began to see a decline. Uh, it started with the rental prices, right? Rental market began tanking. And when I say tanking, I mean tanking. To the end of the year, it's it's pretty normal to see downtown one bedrooms and downtown studios lose, um, you know, up to twenty five percent in rent, and and this is less than a year. So we're we're talking serious tanking, and this is obviously due to um, a multitude of factors. Um, you know, the the main factors. A lot of people are asking, like, hey, well, you know, what's going on with the condos? Um, the condos are failing for two reasons and two reasons in particular. Um, and this is, this is affecting the rental market and obviously subsequently the, the sale, the, uh, the resale market. Um, so the rental market for condos downtown has been failing because a, a lot of, uh, office workers downtown are now working from home. So if they're renting, they were able to end their leases and, um, either upgrade to a larger place in the suburbs, or if they're younger, probably move back home with their families and save some money. 
Um, you know, obviously nightlife is not a thing anymore downtown. There's no clubs, no bars open. Um, you know, in the summer they're kind of open, but it's kind of like a, a BS opening. So um, there was just no, there was no incentive to stay downtown. It's not the downtown that we all know. It doesn't have that character, that flavor that, you know, we were all super excited about. Um, anyways, so, so that's what happened downtown, uh, the downtown condo market. Now combine that with, you know, travel being extremely limited, travel being only a fraction of what it was, um, you know, tourism into Toronto being, you know, extremely suppressed because of the pandemic, there's a lower demand for Airbnb. So a lot of Airbnbs, which are historically one bedroom and bachelor units are now all of a sudden, you know, up for rent because the owners are sitting here scrambling being like, oh shoot, you know, I was taking in 4k a month and now I'm getting, you know, I'll be lucky if I get a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, so I need to get this on the rental market and see what happens. So all of a sudden we got this massive influx of supply, massive, massive influx of supply. And then we have a, a diminished demand. People are not working in the office. Everyone's working from home. All the white collar workers that, you know, were walking to work from their downtown condos. Um, they're, you know, they're working from their living rooms now, um, on their laptops. So, um, it's, it's definitely an interesting dilemma to, um, to see, uh, it has impacted, obviously, you know, like I mentioned, uh, we've seen rents drop up to 25% for some of, uh, for some, you know, smaller units in the downtown rental market. I've also seen, uh, you know, prices drop, you know, um, last I, I ran the, uh, the numbers, uh, across the board condos ha- uh, in Toronto have seen a 14.1% price decrease to, uh, to date with the hardest uh, hit segments being one bedrooms and studios. That's a large decrease for a short amount of time. Um, Obviously, the day is not out for December as I'm recording this podcast. I'm recording this podcast, obviously, at the very, very beginning of the new year, very, very beginning of January 2021. Um, the data is currently not available, but um, from what it seems, um, from what I've been hearing anecdotally from realtors, um, the market has seemed to have turned a bit. Um, since the announcement of a vaccine, uh, there's been a bit of seller confidence. So a lot of listings have now been terminated. A lot of rental units that were, you know, on MLS for rental have been terminated because there seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel with a vaccine announcement. We could return to normality as soon as, you know, the fall of 2021. Um, obviously, you know, all of Canada is not going to be vaccinated. All of Ontario won't be vaccinated by the time, but I think the at-risk groups, the hardest hit groups from this pandemic, the ones that are really straining our healthcare system will be vaccinated and that will allow us to return to some sort of level of normality, um, you know, with the vaccinations obviously continuing into the fall and winter of, uh, of this year. So um, definitely interesting to see uh, that happened. Obviously very unfortunate. Myself, I'm a condo uh, owner. It's my first property I ever purchased. I still own that property and I, I was renting it out. Uh, I myself took a, a pretty large hit, uh, close to 25% in rental income. Uh, thankful enough to find it, uh, a new tenant, a good tenant. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping things are going to, you know, uh, work out with my, with my new tenant. Um, but so far so good. And, uh, you know, this is just part of the game. You know, real estate is a long-term game. This isn't, you know, day trading. This isn't stocks. Um, you know, when you have skin in the game, it, you're there for the long run. This isn't something you just buy and flip. I mean, there are buyers and flippers, but I mean, if you're not someone who does that for a living, this is a long haul game. You know, there are ups and downs in the markets. I think, you know, my personal opinion, um, the market will recover downtown. I don't know if it will recover within, you know, say by the fall of 2021. Um, I don't even know if it will recover by the fall of 2022. We don't know, but it will recover over time. Downtown will return, um, you know. 
and uh, we'll, 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 we'll see some, you know, uh, normality in the upcoming years. It's just a matter of, you know, can you hold, you know, so a lot of people who were uh, cash flow negative um, or, you know, or, or have become cash flow negative now, they, they might not be able to afford that extra 10000 or 20000 a year that they're paying out of pocket. Um, it might not be worthwhile and they might just look to get an out um, before they have to, you know, default on their mortgages, which is a worst case scenario. Um, speaking of that, there was, uh, you know, mortgage deferrals, which a lot of people were worried about, you know, was, I think as high as 14% across Canada at one point. Mortgage deferrals have now diminished down to 1%. So, um, true to my suspicions, I think a lot of people who um, applied for deferrals applied so not out of necessity, but because they were able to free their cash flow, which is the smart thing to do. Unethical, yes. Smart, yes. <laughs> um, I didn't, obviously, you know, I, that's not something I would do myself. I, I would not advise anything, but it is smart because you can free up your cash flow at zero penalty. Um, especially back in March and April when this was first offered, a lot of people, there was a lot of uncertainty. So everyone was just thinking, hey, you know what? I need to hoard cash right now because the apocalypse could be coming. We don't know. Um, obviously, the apocalypse never came. The world did not end. But um, uh, and now there's been a return, obviously, to normality. Um so on that topic, going to freeholds, um, you know, they performed dramatically well. Um, in particular, freehold markets that were historically, I don't want to say depressed, but uh, have not experienced um, high growth rates. I want to say, you know, in particular, you know, Scarborough and Durham regions, um, they took off to the moon. Um, it's been absolute insanity in that market. Um, you know, Durham region, uh, within 10 months uh, since the pandemic um, began, uh, home prices in the region have appreciated at 15%. Um, you know, uh, while record transactions climbed to 1,088 in November, it's, it's been absolute insanity in Durham region. Um, the average days in the market in Durham, uh, in November, 2020 were just 14 days compared to 34 back in January at the beginning of last year. Um, you know, freehold across the market, um, has been very competitive with, you know, mainly due to extremely low inventory and a very high demand. A lot of people want more space and a lot of people have the money to pay for this more space. Um, whether it be through, um, you know, uh, sitting on more cash because there's less expenses due to work from home or um, uh, uh, I don't say or I would also say and combined with the fact that these interest rates are almost free money at this point you know uh, HSBC has been recently since uh, you know December 2020 has been advertising their 0.99% um, you know uh, mortgage rate like that's 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 never been heard of here in Ontario so um, it, it's definitely pretty crazy, um, but um, interesting to see. You know, um, you know, I, I I got my new mortgage rate from my my, my new place where I'm, I'm filming from here and uh, sorry, recording from here, and um, I, I I got it back in uh, you know in the summer of this year, and I feel like I, I should already refinance because I could probably save 0.5 percent uh, <laughs> compared to uh, what I what I signed up for at the beginning of the summer. Um, anyways, um, with that being said. Um, I did want to cover months of inventory because that's an important topic as well. Uh, months of inventory is something I learned while searching for my my last home that I currently live in right now. Uh, so months of inventory is um, basically indicative of uh, you know how much inventory is available for sales. Um, a healthy market uh, typically has um, you know and we'll say healthily balanced market typically has five to seven months of real estate inventory uh, and an absorption rate around you know five to eight percent. Um, a typical buyer's market will have more uh, more than seven months of inventory and an absorption rate of less than 5%. Um, for reference, Durham, which has been one of the best performing markets um, this in 2020, uh, right now has just been reduced to uh, 
uh, a, a monthly inventory, I, this number is absolutely insane. It's less than one. It's 0.36. It's, we have, there's less than half a month inventory for, uh, Durham. It's, it's absolute insanity. Um, Toronto has obviously been operating at, uh, um, uh, you know, a month, uh, months of inventory around, you know, anywhere from one to three months. So obviously well in a seller's market, but to be under one, under half a month is, you know, absolutely unheard of. And it's been driving prices here, um, you know, through the roof, you know, where you're seeing, you know, detached, three bedroom detaches selling in the 700s that would have went, you know, for the 500s <laughs> a year ago. Absolutely insanity where people are, you know, making 200K in a year um, off their their homes um so um obviously you know going back to the the theme of this you know last part of the segment here on the podcast which is you know the the letter of the day which is k the k-shaped recovery is the situation that the canadian economy is finding itself in um you know the current economic data is showing that you know um those who are well off you know before the pandemic are still benefiting for the most part um from the pandemic, while those who were marginalized before the pandemic are suffering considerably more. Um, you know, white collar workers are obviously uh, benefiting from work from home, um, low interest rates to upsize their, li- their living spaces, reduce costs and living expenses, which results in their financial assets soaring, you know, whether it be more money into savings, the real estate becoming, uh, being worth more, et cetera. Um, in contrast, you know, blue collar workers are, you know, who are, a lot of them are providing essential services on the front lines are facing, you know, obviously health problems being, you know, at a higher risk to being exposed to the COVID virus. Um, but they're also having to deal with unpredictable work schedules lockdowns, you know, leaving them out of work and then limited governmental, you know, income support programs, you know, CERB, uh, which was, you know, uh, rolled out back in April um, has, you know, has been uh, eliminated. And now everyone's being transitioned to EI, which is still a similar amount to what CERB was giving out. But um, this isn't enough for a lot of people, a lot of people out of work, you know, $2,000 a month is is really not uh, (laughs) that significant. So, um, what does it mean for us young folks? Obviously, you know, I'm going to circle back because I'm a millennial. You know, like I said, this, 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 this show is geared to, uh, this, this program is, is definitely geared towards, uh, younger, younger folks. Um, what does it mean for us? Um, it means, unfortunately, we are predetermined to be on the short end of the stick given our age and timing. Now, that's not a death sentence and that won't be a death sentence for a lot of us. And I'll tell you why. Um, the reason being is that there are ways we can mitigate and even avoid being on the lower arm of the K. We obviously want to be on the higher arm of the K. Um, but so, you know, if, if, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you feel you are or will be in the near future in a situation to purchase real estate, um, it means, you know, first and foremost, you're probably working. You're probably making a decent salary or you're working, you know, you and your partner together have a, a combined income that gives you a decent income to afford a home. Um, and your income was likely not impacted or not negatively impacted too much from the pandemic. In fact, a lot of people I know who are in white collar professions have actually made money during the pandemic they've had they've never had busier years in their lives which i find to be um quite impressive i mean um obviously unfair to a lot of people who who have been negatively impacted but that is quite impressive that a lot of people have made more money this year than they have in other years um i know jeff bezos definitely (laughs) uh, has a comment about that but um uh but yeah so um you know, with, you know, obviously with governments around the world, you know, they're literally printing trillions of dollars of money, uh, you know, in less than a year to, you know, inflation will be inevitable. It will be inevitable when you're injecting this much cash into global economies and every country is aligned in doing this. Inflation is inevitable. Um, so, you know, obviously to ensure protecting, you know, obviously your asset portfolio, my recommendation is always this. Um, and obviously I'm giving you the unbiased 
my objective opinion on this. This is the unbiased facts. Inflation is going to happen with this much money being injected into the economy. A lot of people are sitting on cash reserves right now, savings. That money will eventually be unlocked once consumer confidence returns, once we grapple COVID and you know hopefully get out of the second, uh, the second wave, the second lockdown. Um, but in the meantime, the best way to keep your money growing with this inflation is to in, be invested in assets. What are assets? It's not just real estate. Um, you know, assets could be commodities, emerging markets, gold, silver, and other precious metals. Uh, real estate investment trusts, uh, their abbreviates REITS. Um, you see these online mentioned on forums all the time. They're a great investment vehicle. Uh, real return bonds, stocks, and obviously my personal favorite, real estate. Um, now, like I said, just because real estate doesn't have to be for you, but this is a real estate podcast. So I will be saying to go for real estate. Um, you know, just cause I'm, I'm personally biased towards real estate, but, um, you definitely want to have your money in assets, um, having your money in a high interest savings account, which I don't even think exists anymore because a high interest savings account will give you what 0.1% interest, which is not high interest whatsoever. Um, you're losing money every day by keeping your money in there. So um, obviously have your emergency money in a, uh, money in a high, uh, high interest savings account, keep it liquid. But uh, if you're sitting on large uh, swaths of cash, I would recommend getting into the real estate game. There are some, there definitely are plentiful buying opportunities right now. Um, you know, there's a softened downtown condo market. If you're a first time home buyer, this could be your opportunity. This is your opportunity because you have selection, you have better prices, you have extremely low interest rates, and you can introduce conditions contrary to the name of this podcast, <laughs> um, which is great. You know, it'll make your buying experience a little more comfortable, uh, a lot more stress free. There's nothing more stressful than going in no conditions. Um, you know, especially when you're, you know, making a transaction that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, if not millions. So um, anyways, so, you know, that was it for, you know, today's episode of, of No Conditions. You know, obviously, thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode. I hope I've uh, enlightened some of you, have given some good information. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've done my best to kind of research um, a lot of this and try to cover as many talking points, but making this easily digestible. And I don't want to be rambling on and on for, uh, you know, two, three hours. So um, please do join me next week um, where we are going to discuss a, a very contentious and controversial topic for many investors in looking to invest in Toronto real estate, the downtown condo market. We did touch on it a little bit today, but we'll be going into a lot more detail next week. Uh, please make sure you subscribe uh, on Spotify iTunes or any other podcast software that you're using to tune in right now. Uh, if you do want to ask a question on a future episode, no conditions, click on the link uh, in the show notes and uh, to record your question in a voice note, I'd be more than happy to uh, answer any questions. Um, if you're an expert in the field or if you're someone who works in the field and you definitely like to chat, I'd love to pick your brain. I'd love to have you on. Uh, we could definitely, you know, have you on an episode uh, virtually, obviously with uh, safe social distancing measures. Um, and uh, it definitely would be interested in chatting with you. So um, thank you once again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please uh, do like and subscribe. And if you do have um, any any questions, comments, feedback, you know how to get a hold of me. Thank you and uh, have yourselves a great day.